This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the blog to watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Ariel Adams with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Mr. Martin Fry, and he's the co-founder of Orwork and the lead designer. Martin, hello. Oh, Ariel, nice to be with you here. Great to uh, talk. You know, it's funny. I've had more conversations, intimate, close conversations with people in the watch industry through this podcast than the many years of going to shows. And I realized that because I'm mostly taking pictures of watches, I never really get a chance to connect with anybody. So it's really been great to do this. And um, I wanted to ask you, have you been doing a lot of podcasts yourself? Um, I actually, uh, of course, I was was asked uh, for interviews. And uh, that's quite since the beginning of uh, the corona pandemic. Uh, that, of course, there's a lot of Zoom calls and uh, things like this. Absolutely. Um, happily, these uh, tools were invented already before. So, so we were prepared for the for the yeah. for the, the pandemics. But um, no, it's 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 true. Of course, one thing that bothers me though with it is that uh, that travel is um, uh, is not anymore. And I'm looking forward to the times um, in the future, hopefully, where this comes back a bit again. Because uh, I think you can you can do podcasts, you can do uh, somehow this uh, virtual means of meeting. Um, to a certain point, uh, and then it's uh, necessary again to, to back up, you know, the information you need to see people. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, Absolutely. It was a good, it, it's a good tool, you know, for, for the time being, and we will continue using it for sure. But I hope the trips come. They, they will. I mean, there's so much desire to do it. We know that it's only a matter of time, but it's true. It's been so frustrating. But, you know, you, you're talking about tools, and you are someone very interesting. You are a creator of tools in the design sense. And you know what I realized through the watch industry? Most people don't realize that some tools are created by a designer. I think most people just realize that tools are created by like an engineer. But you mm -hmm. and I both know engineers are actually pretty bad designers, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on how, how you look at things. My father, he's an engineer uh, in basic. Oh, research. I'm so sorry then. <laughs> no problem, but that's, that's, you know, that's why I'm not, I guess. You know? So what I found fascinating when I remember you know, uh, back you know, in the days where I was a, a child um, and my father would uh, you know, have me over in, in, his, in the institute where, he, where they had like, some experiments set up. He was like, they were doing basic research, like speeding up protons. They had a cyclotron there, you know, built in. Oh, in so this is like pre-CERN kind of technology, the Absolutely. particle accelerator. This, like, this was the first uh, accelerator they did uh, uh, in, in Switzerland. And so, so and, and also like, the, the sad story is that the, that um, uh, accelerator was um, out, of, out of date, so to say, when it was built, because they figured out a, a better way to do it in, in the States. My father helped building this. He was invited then for, for uh, a year to come to, to Princeton. Um, and I visited him there. So that's a whole, a whole interesting story there. But what I wanted to say is that coming to, 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 my, to the Institute, seeing the, this, the, the, this experiment set up, you know, uh, not by engineers, by, by physicists, by scientists, 
not to to somehow intrigue uh, the, the eyes of somebody or somehow to, to be beautiful, but what I found, I found it uh, extremely interesting and beautiful at the same time, you know? So you, it's you have, true. Uh, All this technology stuff has this interesting organic quality to it. You always mm -hmm. wonder, you know, I used to, I used to be fascinated with machines growing up, tanks and planes and boats. And right. it's always this interesting notion of where does the form come from? Because in these mm -hmm. instances, form follows function. But we grew up in a world, especially in modern times, with so many things designed to be beautiful. And as just a normal person to wrap your mind around why things look the way they do, it's incredibly mm -hmm. confusing. So that's true. And for me, a designer uh, can do something and, and it's also somehow his job to, to somehow know about the, also the history of, of design and know where shapes come from. Um, that, it, it, that is like the, the, the history of architecture, of course, as well. But, so you, 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 you go back in time, you look at how uh, or where uh, you know, shapes come from. What was the origin of a, of a of a, an invention, so to say. When, where does it come from? What, what, what was, was this doing before, before it was used? Like, let's say you have, a, <clears throat> as an example, you take the columns of a Greek temple. Uh, uh -huh. you, know, you know that from, from uh, um, you know, Greece, you know, being out of marble or out of stone. Um, but obviously it was, before it was a, a building that was built out of wood. And so to make it more sustainable, they, they used uh, marble later on. And then they discovered that when you have um, the plain columns, like as the, the first columns in Doric times, where you had like the rain uh, dropping down uh, on the column and making it dirty looking, they invented uh, the grooves on the column to, to somehow catch the, the raindrops and give them the right direction. Oh, and, did yeah, that work? Yeah, absolutely worked. You know, that's that's uh, why we have them. Uh, they that's also like have, Corinthian columns or whatever they're called? Yes, later on the Corinthian. Actually, they had like the Ionic uh, uh, columns before the Corinthian. Corinthian was already the somehow the, the decadent. Oh, yeah, that was uh, the most advanced. The most exactly. advanced. So you're talking about the middle one. I, I, this has been years since I learned all this stuff. <laughs> yes, but it's interesting. So what I want to say with it is that it's good if you know where these things come from so that when you play with it, when you somehow... Like, let's say in Berkeley, Berkeley watches, you see those grooves again, you know, so they give, they give right. a Berkeley watch a classicistic fit uh, and, and look, but people, they don't normally know where, where, these, uh, where these elements come from and they play with them anyways, and then they play with them uh, creating uh, senseless things. No, this is such an important point. I, mm. I want, because, okay, I remember going to the like Hong Kong watch and clock fair, which unfortunately, mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, but... Mm -hmm. I go to this important show and you see these watches produced by people that aren't really watch designers and they do really weird things. For example, they have like dials that look like chronographs, but don't, don't do chronograph functionality. And you wonder to yourself, what's going on here? And then you sort of answer the question. They are copying without understanding where the design comes from. Yes, and when exactly. they do that, it ends up looking silly because it doesn't logically make sense. There's no, there's no narrative. It's sort of like a, a story with a really bad plot. Exactly. That's the problem. And you see a lot of this. You don't see it only in, uh, in watches, of course. You see it in, in design in general, where you have uh, uh, shapes in connection and, and somehow all these things don't make sense. So, uh, of course, form follows function is, a, is somehow a, a concept that wants to go against this. 
um, it, it's also in architecture, you know, modernity, they, um, they said, uh, you know, we show the way that the building is constructed and that, that is beautiful. So we don't need to decorate it. But then again, when you get use of, uh, when you get uh, rid of the decoration, you get also rid of the whole history of, um, of, of, uh, these buildings and you, you don't, uh, you get rid of, of what also was originally um, uh, the construction. So the decoration is actually the construction, but transformed into into an ornament, you can say. So it's 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 there also a bit problematic if you just get rid of it. You just need to know where it comes from, and you can also play with that because that becomes also the history of design. So it's just what what important to be conscious about these things and, and then play with it and not just um, just steal it, per se. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think that's why people who are aficionados are always looking for originality, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not looking for copies. They're not looking for emulations. When you really like something, you want something new. But since you are clearly not only a designer, but also a philosopher, here's an interesting question. If as society goes on, we become more familiar and expect more beauty around us. Then why does the world continue to make so many ugly things? Well, there's, uh, I was always fascinated with the fact that, like, let's say, these people who um, collect uh, dwarfs, these little dwarfs, you know, for their gardens, you know, there's like this the culture. Of yeah, I, I mean, there is some of this in Switzerland. I'm just going to tell everyone some, this is a thing. I don't thing. know how it's far real. it got, you know, if it got to the States, but you have this... this <laughs> A little People bit. <laughs> who, who, who use the dwarfs, and they, they are extremely uh, secure in, in the use of these dwarfs. They, you can look at them here or at the other side of, of, the, of town, and they do it precisely right. So they have, a, they have a, a, a pretty good understanding of how the dwarfs have to look and how they have to be. Well, so we explain this to people, because this is an interesting part of Swiss culture that most people don't know. There are actual garden gnomes. This is like, uh, you know, Travelocity, I think, had this whole advertising campaign about it. Um, <laughs> and, and Martin is explaining that there is a proper way of apparently assembling them or arranging them. So you have to explain this, because this is interesting. Let's say... Uh, the, the dwarf, um, the dwarf people, in this sense, the ones who decorate the garden with dwarfs, they know exactly how to do it. That's what I want to say. They have a style with it. They, they, without, uh, I don't know, talking with each other about it, they know how it's done. So they, they have this somehow uh, internalized. They know how it's done. And uh, so it's like a dwarf diorama well, on the lawn. Yeah, exactly. They're pretty secure in it. So that's what I always found interesting. Every Let's say every club in a society has ways of, of doing things and, and, and somehow you learn these things uh, and, and then you're pretty secure about them and you know how it's done. So I would say that uh, in, this, in design, it can also be like this. If you're um, following traditions, you can, you can be uh, creative and, and create really beautiful things if you just follow the laws of, uh, of tradition. You know, we don't do any leaps, you know, so to say. I, I saw that also with uh, with uh, um, when you go to the mountains. You have uh, here in Switzerland, you have these these houses, mountain houses built out of wood, and uh, so the, the carpenters they they have uh, you know old laws, you know, and as long as they follow them correctly, uh, just do what the father did or what their ancestors did, they they do it properly. And then, but when there is a disconnect, and um, they forget about the roots. 
they forget where things come from, as I said before already, then that's where the problem comes in because then they start to mix things um, not knowing how it's done. But uh, so, so if, if, you if you were, let's say, if you're becoming a designer, you then still need to study uh, the past, um, but of course only to create new things. You've just described so much of Swiss culture, maybe not even knowing that you did so. <laughs> well, you have Swiss culture. That's what Orson Welles said uh, in his uh, beautiful film, Third Man, uh, on, the, on the wheel in Vienna. I don't know if you recall that scene where he's talking about the, 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 you know, the problem that maybe this, the world could become a more Swiss or Swissenized world, so to say. <laughs> he's fearing yeah. this. A normalization you know, that would come you know, after the, you know, the turbulences of the wars. And uh, so, so he was fearing this, that, that, that people like him being a criminal, you know, could, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, could face a different harder time, you know, in the future. So it would all get much more normal and dwarf-like, you know, in the future. But anyways, that's... Uh, that's I mean, Swiss I do want Swiss bureaucracy everywhere. It's not perfect, but there's something really to admire about you Swiss see, bureaucracy. You see, you know, like this just sticks. And, you know, talking about this, I mean... Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, uh, um, witnessing what's happening in, in, in your country, um, I'm you so know, sorry. concerning democracy, you know. Um, we still care about it. We do. I promise. I, I hope so. I just, let's let's put it, let's make it short. Let's let's just leave it at that. And, and I, I trust I trust in that. What you what you just said now. Yeah. I, look, I think it's interesting because this show is oftentimes about what people are thinking about, what inspires them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at an Orwork watch, and I want to talk about more about the brand, of course, you always have to ask yourself, like, where does this come from? Because we see so many watch designs out there. Mm -hmm. And years ago, I realized that you can understand the design if you speak to the designer, understand what motivates them. Because some of these designs out there, I mean, it's impossible to know what the designer was trying to do. It's like art. Mm -hmm. If you don't talk to the artist, <laughs> good luck interpreting their art. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's so important to sort of talk to the personalities. And you have been responsible for so many great watches. I think one of the best sections of the Orwick website is this timeline mm -hmm. that goes back to, I think, 1997 and shows in sequential order the different watches. And so it's, it's interesting for you to see your body of work. And when you see this mm -hmm. timeline, what do you learn about yourself? Well, for me, uh, something that I find interesting is when you start uh, working on something, and I know that from, from studying art, you know, at the beginning you have the whole world in front of you, and, and, you, and you, you know, as an artist, you want to somehow think about it, you know, because you're confronted with it, you know, and that means a lot, that it. There's so many different things to look at, you know, to, be, to, to take in and to learn when you're a child, you start with it and you become uh, very, very good at it, actually, because you have to. You have to take in everything and become a scientist and an artist, you know, in, in, the, in, that, um, in that time. And, and then maybe you, you have to learn a profession and, 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 and sadly enough, for, for a lot of people, that means that they, that they need to forget all, all these things that they learned. They have to, to stop being a scientist and they have to also stop being an artist. And that to me is, uh, is, is problematic. But when I look at, um, at uh, somehow our history, I see that things uh, work best in my, in my eyes if they are, are uh, working a bit like um, an evolution of things. You know, so 
you 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 just start with with, with something and then you stick you stick to it. You have you know, like my my uh, art uh, professor uh, Roman Siegel once told me, don't don't use too many different um, tools. So you have to or two different objects to play with. You know, it's just to find find out what interests you, and then with these things you start to 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 um, to play. Uh, and and you see how these things grow, you know. So you, you have a set of, of objects that you're interested with, uh, a set of teams that uh, that that interest you, and then you start to 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 focus on it. And you and with every with every try, uh, you see if you get a bit closer to to or you, if you get answers. So meaning that uh, when you do something, it, it's supposed to be a, a let's say. A, um, a test or, or uh, an experiment, you know, that's how I see it. You want so you to, have a, you have a goal and these are each uh, like instances of trying to reach that goal. Yeah. You want to get answers. And so you try with, with every, let's say project. And of course the, the watch itself is kind of the fruit of it, but, but the process of creating it uh, and, and being. So what are you, what are you trying to figure out a, a better way to tell the time a more enjoyable wristwatch experience. What's the goal? So there's, there's, as I said before, there's a few different themes that are interesting. Theme uh, when you make create machines uh, that is important is the relationship between um, us human beings and the machine. So that's like one theme that you're that you have in your head or in your mind uh, working on, on on machines. That can be. If you work uh, on a different kind of machine, uh, you still need to think about this. What what does that mean actually for us? So it's all about the interface, right? This fascination yes. with interfacing with something, the tactile yeah, what, experience. What, what, what does it have to do with us? And why do we do this? You know, why do we create machines? And of course, with the watch, we have a quite of a, an interesting machine that that measures time, and we don't understand time. So then you have another theme. What is time, and what does that mean? You called me before a philosopher, of course. It's something we invented. That's my, my, my perspective. No, I'm, 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 I'm glad about this, because I think that's exactly what it is. And, and that's what we learn as kids, as I said before. You know, the interest in the world and the, the curiosity in, in how things are and what things are. So you have simple things like, uh, like time, something that we live in and that we experience every day. That means our life, but you know what is it exactly? And so you can look at it from very different sides, and it starts with with how you indicate time. So that that becomes an important theme, as you just said before, the indication of time. Uh, somehow, uh, you could you could even easily say that if you indicate time differently, you get a different um, information about what time is out of this. So that that is super simple. You 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 have it with the linear time indication that we used. Uh, uh, we have it with, with our time indication that we started with, uh, where you have a, a slower uh, time reading because it only goes a, sh a shorter distance. So you have to have to be slower, and compared to the regular time indication that we are used to. But only because we are used to it, uh, we could could also be used to a different uh, time indication, like let's say the sun. You know, as we used to be. Um, you know, uh, you know, we, we are used to being much more uh, concerned, uh, you know, with, with somehow these kind of time indications, like when when the sun rises and you know when the corn crop grows and things like that. Uh, important stuff for some people. <laughs> yes, still, yeah, absolutely. That's why you have different uh, ways of, like, for instance, that's a fascinating thing. Uh, 
in this in this sense, um, there's certain people they believe or they like cultures. Um, they believe that when you wait, time stops, time stands still. No waiting. Well, and if if no one's paying attention, it's like the whole thing of uh, you know, does a tree make a sound if it falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it? Exactly. Because we know in physics, time does not exist. This is something I'm told time and time again when I read these books. And mm -hmm. I and I do yeah. think I understand the concept, but this is so hard for us to to grasp, right? It's very difficult, and 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 still, uh, you know, the physicists are not 100 sure about this. I mean, there's different theories still about what time is, um, and and also on that side, you know, it's super interesting to to somehow um, follow that and. That's also one reason why we were busy with our atomic clocks, because that's at least um, uh, for a while, it's not totally uncriticized, but that's that's the way the physicists see time as a symmetric thing, you know, uh, behind and in front of the moment, uh, you have a symmetric situation, you know, and but, uh, but that doesn't well, Relativity throws a wrench in that. Yes. That's that's interesting thing about about the physics of time. It's all about relativity. So we have we can have tell perfect time for where we are in space, and that's it. Everybody has his own time. That's right. I just saw yesterday with my son, and for him for the first time, um, uh, Back to the Future, and it's okay, a super cool film. And so what I'm saying is that you have you have time actually confronting you every moment. So it's a it's a super um, known phenomenon that we can't really study perfectly because it's already gone before we before we um, realize it right so it's 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 a fascinating thing and we measure this of course or let's say an aspect of it with a watch so so we have a tool here that we create that uh, measures something strange so that's that's uh, yet another interesting theme but there's quite a few uh, themes that come together with the with a wristwatch, you can also talk about status, about the value of things. Would, would you consider yourself a futuristic watch designer? What I found interesting, if you create something contemporary, it might look to, to many eyes, it might look futuristic, but that's only because you are maybe um, not uh, using, or you, you're trying to, to, to combine things that you, that you see and realize. And create something new, uh, and you, especially if you think about the watch world, <clears throat> at least for a long time, it was stuck in the past. So you had a lot of these shapes, you know, as I said before, you know, that uh, come from Berkey times, like uh, whatever uh, shapes that are borrowed from 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 older times. And as I said, people they don't even think about it. It's just the way things look, and uh, just. Like that, and so so when you create something that that questions all these things and and, and says okay, just like there's a simple thing like the locks. No, we don't make you. There's no locks. Uh, there's just a case, and there's no lock. So you have a thing like this, then that might already look futuristic, just because uh, it does things a bit different. And um, so you consider yourself a contemporary watch designer and not a futuristic one. Yeah. You know, in the best case, in the best case. So the, 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 the concept there is like the concept of modernity, that you are avant-garde, that you try to always do the, 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 the thing uh, inspired by the moment. And so you mean that means that you take in as much that, as possible that happens right now. Uh, I mean, and we are not uh, able to, to do that uh, very good. It's, it's always a struggle, you know, but still you can try. And then maybe you get a contemporary 
uh, output, you know, or, or creation, if you if you take in as much as possible, that's that's taking place right now. But this is already pretty difficult to do that. Let's go back to the 1990s when war work was started, mm-hmm. and I love some of the design from this era, especially coming out of Europe. Um, you have mm-hmm. sort of whatever the modern sense of Bauhaus was, what that was turning into. You had all this wonderful stuff coming out of sort of the German-speaking, you know, like Berlin and things like that. There was just sort of this amazing new sense of utopianism, but there's sort of a lot of grunge that was still a big part of it. And that's sort of what it seems like was the atmosphere when you were planning or working, things like that. Talk about where some of the dominant, you know, designs out there and themes and looks, like what was going on to you in the 90s that uh, was inspiring you right up until the point that you founded or work? With Felix. Well, I mean, uh, if it's if it's more general, um, it, it was the '90s. Of course, we had before a couple of um, decades that had every decade a distinct look. You could say, okay, that's the '60s look, that's the '70s. So you had you had kind of like a, um, uh, and maybe that's also just you know afterwards when you look back that that became clear. But still, you have a. You can now tell pretty precisely if something comes out of the 50s. You know, you see that uh, in, in in the shapes and so on and and, and so on. And so until the, the 80s, and then we had a, a thing that was called postmodernism, when 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 uh, this whole concept got a bit confused. Uh, yeah. Got, <laughs> yeah. So so you you play. It's also eclectic. You say, okay, let's play with everything. It's kind of like a, a moment um, where. You could, you could also I, I explain it to me uh, to myself like this. You have a uh, you have a, an an, uh, an archaic phase in things, you know, where something is just newly found. And you could say, like in our times, you could maybe say, okay, um, that, that's that's so, somehow in the fifties, sixties, like the cars are there, you know. They, 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 so you're they, saying they, it didn't really have a particular look. Yeah, somehow there's a peak in, in something like, but for every object or for everything, uh, it's it's a bit different. But but still, you 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 have the beginning of, of some like the youth culture that gives that's like a beginning. You have different beginnings and they play into each other. So it's not very it's not so easy to to, to somehow determine exactly, <laughs> you know when things start. But what, but what were you into? I mean, you were into something personally. You weren't into everything, and there was something yeah. that you were liked. You know what 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 was cool to you at the time? When I was a, a youngster, we still had the sixties in our in our in, in, in the air. And I was still okay. kind of like I would wear like jeans, you know, that were ripped, and that was clearly <laughs> something that came from hippie times. And we just did that. I was stylish, you know, to keep to wearing your jeans for as long as ever possible. And my mother had to fix them a uh, hundred times, and somehow <laughs> that was that was the cool thing to do. And uh, so you 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 are still somehow uh, looking back in time to the to the to the sixties, something uh, where some like a revolution happened, and that uh, that uh, somehow is in your mind. But then uh, you know there's like the science fiction films that for me is important. Uh, it is something that happened um, you know in, in in when I was a, a youngster. You know we had like Star Wars. We had. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, Alien and Blade Runner and films like this that that I have seen in the, in the movies, and that somehow they open they open your eyes. And it's not only that; that's just yet another 
another influence. So you have uh, you you collect on on your on your way. Um, you collect these these inputs, and they start to shape your your outlook. And maybe at some point, you realize, okay, let's combine things. Like let's cross over. Let's mix these things. And uh, postmodernism was maybe a point like this where you said, okay, we have like up to now, we had every every uh, decade we have. Uh, we had a different style, and already the seventies were somehow uh, quite, uh, um, yeah, you know, like a decadent phase of what happened in the maybe what started in the fifties. So, so, so these things they transform in time, and it's also evolution. You know, you, so you see how in culture, uh, you know, these things evolve, how they how they transform, and how things uh, mixes. You know, and and uh, the more you have a, a one world because of information and the way it flows you know you have uh, you have this speeded up so you have a, a very fast process especially now with the internet you know where, where cultures are connected you have said enough you have also um, uh, 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 somehow the means for viruses to to, <laughs> to travel fast and, and spread but but also the you know the so the cultural ideas you know the the inventions in this sense they they travel fast it's not like baroque times when when you know there was a reaction on uh, on the Enlightenment, or let's say the, on on Renaissance, um, uh, and where the Catholic Church was saying, "Okay, look, uh, you know, we are not dead yet. You know, uh, that shows our power. <laughs> you know, and 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 so you had you had these things, these developments a bit, a bit slower. You know, you could watch it. You know, you can see how it comes from Germany or how it goes into there and there." Uh, but 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 in our times, this is much more uh, complex, and, and 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 you see this uh, uh, to the internet, you know, and uh, to to our. So so the, so the answer is there's an innumerable number of influences, mm. and Absolutely. it was an era where you were just overwhelmed, and it was an era of experimentation. Experimentation seemed to rule. You get it right. You're overwhelmed, and you're trying to find out what what find what what is it that you find best. Okay, so let me ask you this. I have this theory that there's sort of a split in time when mm -hmm. aesthetics really change. And this was sort of pre and post digital design. When things had mm -hmm. to be drawn by hand, there was a certain type of beauty that you don't really find as much when things are designed um, through a mm -hmm. computer program. How early on did you embrace mm -hmm. computer-aided design? Obviously, in the 90s, there was a lot of it available. It's a lot better now. Yes. Um, I remember experimenting with Wacom tablets and thinking to myself, boy, mm -hmm. you know, drawing by hand is way better than this. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm absolutely based in, in drawing by hand. That's what I studied. And so for me, this is still important uh, see nowadays. I'm, I'm actually, in this sense, I'm an analog person. <laughs> but, um, you know, so thinking for me uh, needs to find, uh, uh, you know, quite quickly an answer and therefore drawing, uh, you know, uh, with a pen or a pencil on, on, on paper. That's a very fast way of, of um, T testing your, your ideas or so. It is, because to, to make something in a computer program is, uh, it's very slow. There's a lot of processes you need to do to draw a line. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so so you have to first learn the, the, the program. But of course, uh, you know, if you learn that from childhood, I see that now with my son, uh, it is, it is, uh, it doesn't make a big difference, I think, and they get much more um, intuitively, intuitively using uh, the, those means, and so so you can say maybe at some point it doesn't make a, it doesn't play a difference anymore. It doesn't 
it's not that different. Maybe. But, but still, there's always one element where I give you, where, where I'm absolutely on the same with you, and that is the material. The material you use, you know, in, in the computer, when you draw or paint, you don't have material anymore. So you don't make layers of material. In this sense, you have layer of information, data, and that's a different thing. So you don't have to somehow a, a thick paint, you know, that or uh, a material like um, like wood or like stone. When you're, that's, I mean, I want to become a sculpture, actually. That's why I went to art school. And especially oh. there, you know, you're, you're, you're working with material and it's an extremely important um, aspect of things. And that's the world. Our world is made of it, out of it and I enjoy that a lot. So I'm also uh, still now, you know, when we, when we work with uh, different metals and different materials, uh, this is uh, where, where uh, the, the fascination comes from, you know, the beauty of things, you know. And so when you, when you design that in the computer, you actually don't see it with the real light, the real actual light sunlight or also artificial light that changes permanently and so if you look at an object you know in, in our lighting situation then that's a whole different story and also totally the surfaces different. Totally of things different. a whole different thing and so if you're schooled uh, looking at this and be aware of this you have a different uh, a different perception than or, and also you create differently than when you are when you're creating with an uh, immaterial um, cyberspace, you know, uh, tools. With, with, so you, have a, you have a world there too, but I mean, if you're talking about the platonic uh, metaphor, so to say, where, where, we, where we as human beings on, on our planet just see the shapes, you know, through, through a, a, a white uh, blanket and, and only the shadows of things and the ideas are somewhere else. But if you're looking into a computer, you have yet again another layer in front of your eyes that somehow blocks the view. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it's important. Our art uh, teacher in, in uh, the first year in art school told us, you know, you gotta, you got to look, uh, uh, you know, upside down, put your head upside down and look into the world because then the eyes need to look at it differently again. You have to somehow turn things around in your mind and... That's what they originally did as well, because we, we see things actually upside down when we are born. So the brain has to first turn it around. But you can do that again and look at things, and then you see them in brighter colors. You see the different shapes. So you have to forget about the conventions uh, of looking at things. You have to somehow start to do things, really. Before we go any further, a quick announcement, and we thought we would tell you, the listeners of the podcast, all about it first. A blog to watch is hiring. We are looking for a social media manager to look after all the Instagram, Facebook, comment section, the website, all the social media stuff that you can think of. So if you're interested, get your CV together and any relevant experience and email the boss man himself, Ariel at ablogtowatch.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. So with that done, it's back to the show. I wanna I wanna make an interesting observation about sort of, you know almost academic perspective to your work, which I admire a lot. But I realize that, you know, the sort of Swiss way is like, if you want to master a topic, you need to know how the topic began and every evolution of the topic up until today. And then, and then, and only then can you decide what the next phase of this topic is going to be. But I've realized that most people throughout their entire life may never get to that end point. Therefore, while they're stuck learning where the thing started, they never get far along enough to do something original. And so I worry, 
how do you how do you adapt that approach with the need to be more original? Because as you as we agree, there's too much copying these days, or just you get halfway through and then you die. Well, you can't help making mistakes, that's for sure. And if you look at let's say a master like Hitchcock, and I don't know necessarily want to compare myself with Hitchcock, but, but Hitchcock, <laughs> an interesting comparison, but definitely a master. You know, he, he, what he did is in all his films, he worked on the same theme. With every film, with every next film, he made, he tried to make that, that film that he was doing before better. So, so it's, you, you actually try all the time to do the same thing and, and you make mistakes, you know, and then you're pissed when you finished it. It's like, ah, I could have done so that. So, what are some famous Martin mistakes in Orwork Watches, that is? Well, of course, every every watch until you start, like you can put it like this: you start to love the mistakes that you did. You know, that's the answer. I mean, they've been they've been commercially successful mistakes, if they're anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, happily, um, if that happens, then uh, that's okay. But I also did some mistakes that uh, that weren't uh, that uh, you know successful. I can maybe talk about uh, the the URT eight that we did. Um, for our yeah. anniversary. Uh, so describe year, describe this watch. For anyone that doesn't know this watch, describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, 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 a reversal watch for elephant polo. <laughs> okay, I, I remember <laughs> this. And what what uh, what could you have done maybe better or that wasn't as, uh, as in, I don't know, as practical as you thought? Well, <laughs> it's, it's uh, quite of a big... Uh, watch and but uh, so we did it out of titanium because of that it's quite light but it's it's visually also big because I we had uh, the, our mechanism um, a special mechanism that they took a lot of space because it's and you don't necessarily realize why actually what this mechanism is doing but you have the the, the hour numbers when they um, flow uh, you have them uh, aligned you know with the with the minutes. So it's actually an easy reading, and it's kind of really cool that that mechanically this can happen. It's done with the planetary gear, and and it takes uh, it takes actually a lot of, of uh, wheels. You know, uh, every carousel that that we have, and if you're familiar familiar with our satellites, you see there's there's maybe three or four digits on a satellite, to our digits, and with this uh, with this mechanism, uh, somehow this this satellite is again. Uh, every, every every hour, so to say, has an has its own mechanism, its own satellite, and so right. it's very complex. But you don't see this, and so and it's also not shown when you look into the watch. You know, it's somehow hidden to to just show the magic uh, of it. And I find it great, but uh, it's it's really it's a lot of uh, so to say mechanical uh, in somehow. Um, refinement that that you don't necessarily see right away. So it would need to be skeletonized so that you that you actually realize what's happening. And then it's a big watch because also I added a, a cool mechanism to to turn the watch on its head. And you have the universal <laughs> watch that I really love. You know, actually it's a cool thing that you have two sides and that there's like a cool mechanical way of of, of switching that that watch. And I've seen in a cool camera that I that uh, like a film camera where, where you had um, uh, to to switch um, the film, you know, because because the film actually is in is cut in half um, afterwards <laughs> after you filmed it, 
And in order to, to do that, before you had to somehow do that in a, in, a, in a black bag, you had to switch the film. And that was always uh, problematic because you could destroy the film because when, when there's light on it, you know, you can forget that film. So they invented a cool system of switching the, the magazine. Uh, so without you needing to, to turn, to, to, to take the spool out and do that in a black bag. So, so there's like this cool mechanism in a camera that I loved how to switch the magazine. So and I used this idea for for switching the the, the case of the of the watch. And in my mind, you know, I envisioned uh, in front our mechanism and on the back some cool tools like a like a cockpit. So, so you could you could uh, you know lift up the time indication and then on the back side you would see some some I mean cool it sounds cool when you describe it. Absolutely. And so so I wanted to bring in all these things and we faced Problems, uh, you know, the watch uh, needs to be bigger than it actually could be um, in order to bring in all the, the, the instruments. And then it's okay, now we do the first uh, reversal idea first, you know, where, where you have a, a back that is closed just to protect the watch. As I said, the elephant polo watch, <clears throat> the original concept of the reversal that was designed for polo. So you have a watch that you that you could protect while riding on your horse. Um, well, <laughs> that's the that's the, so somehow the, the the crazy process that we were in, you know, designing this watch, and it just got a bit out of hand. And the watch was in the end was a bit too big, and it was not so easy. But we also didn't do that many. And I still think, you know, stubborn as I am. That it's a super cool watch, and uh, I mean, when you describe it, the concept sounds amazing. I mean, the execution can go a hundred different ways. I love that people see that a bit more, but I mean, it was, uh, you know, every now and then I get a, I get a kick by uh, by Felix uh, reminding me of this. Ah, yeah, there you did a mistake, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I I remember my favorite funny moment was when you guys thought it was a good idea. Maybe you still think it was a good idea. I just look back on this. It makes me laugh every time when mm. you came out with the unpronounceable watch brand. Oh, yes, sure. Sure, that's <laughs> also my problem. <laughs> that's my idea. So, so I mean, look, I, I know it seemed cool and hip, but you came out, it was a collaboration with, I think, I think with Max Booser, and mm. it was the, the the chemical symbol for, what was it, nitroglycerin or something? So it was C3H5N3. Oh, nine, you know, at super hip, kind of like nerdy in the right way. But ultimately, you couldn't search for it. You couldn't mention it. Yeah, but then it was called Nitro. That's, go, that's going down easily. No? Oh, okay. But that's not what ended up happening. <laughs> so in the internet era where everything has to be like searchable and you know what I mean? Like it's, it's related to the way that we search. It's media related. It's not like, it's not art related. It's like you had to, you have to adapt to the fact that people need to hear it and find it on Google. Yeah, that's right. But there's so, sometimes you can go against the grain, you know, against the, the, the you know, what, 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 what seems sure. to be obvious. And that's what we did already with our with our name Urberg. I remember what that um, created at the beginning. When I when I, I mean, you know, many times at the at the, at the beginning, you know, the, we were talking about this. Is it really necessary to come up with a, with a name that nobody can pronounce? Urberg, what do you mean? That's not you know, so hard. So German, you know. I know. I, that's what I thought. Always what I said. Okay, so that's Felix controversial. Said, oh, but this, no, this is not. And you have you have a 
when you look at it, you have usually for watch brands, you have, uh, you know, melodious sounding names, uh, French names, um, like uh, Beaumont Mercier and uh, Patek Philippe, things like that. And, um, you know, we said, no, let's, we are Swiss German Look, guys. most of the brands, you have to agree, the successful ones are someone's name. Very few can get away with being a abstract word. Rolex is one of yes. them. I guess to a degree, Omega is obviously mm -hmm. represents yeah. a letter, but you know, Omega. But it's very few. Yes. Mostly, people take names on things seriously. No, it's important, and I, I always said you have to fill in the energy. You know, you can fill in energy in every word, uh, but of course, that has to be done first. Uh, you know, if you for, for the type of brand. I mean, look, mm. you are. An interesting type of brand. I remember when you and Felix used to meet with press, used to have this, it was like a black suit with like green, like electric green piping on it. Yes. And, and stuff like that, like representing sort of the loom on the on the watches and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, you guys have, have fun with what you do. Explain mm -hmm. a little bit that dynamic between yourself and the Orwar co-founder, Felix Baumgartner. No, that's an absolutely, that's a, it's a, it's a lucky uh, situation because when we met each other first, we started talking about all these uh, different themes that, uh, that we talked about now. Uh, and it started this kind of uh, back and forth discussion about, uh, about uh, time, about, uh, you know, watches. And there's like a lot of uh, like common ground, so to say, and that's important. Um, what were the circumstances think, around your yeah. meeting? Well, it was at the, at the time when I was a student, an art student in, in Lucerne, that uh, um, my, my artist friend, uh, Christoph Dreger, that I got to know at the school there, at the art school, uh, that he's the cousin of Felix and also of Thomas. Thomas is the older brother of Felix. And so I first okay. got to know Thomas, who was also uh, uh, you know, participating in our you know, Uruk brand at the very beginning. Um, but then it got a bit more difficult. Uh, he, he had issues there with, uh, with his uh, health. He had, uh, he had uh, mental issues and so on. He had really problems. Sorry. And that was really hard also for Uruk. It was, it was not, not an easy time. Um, however, um, you know, it, uh, the, the relationship with, with Felix actually um, was somehow in time got, got, got more intense in this sense. You know, we somehow got to know each other uh, through his brother, I'd say. And uh, we, we found out that we can actually work perfectly together, that we can, uh, you know, exchange concepts, ideas, something that I was uh, already doing with his brother before. Uh, and um, yeah, that's it. Uh, probably what helped is that, that my father as I just said before, you know, came from from the, the, this, let's say, um, technocratical uh, part of the world, let's say, the, the techno world. So I understood the, the thinking of, of uh, mecha mechanics and uh, people, you know, thinking uh, engineer thoughts. So, so it, 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 it was for me easy to understand them and somehow... Uh, to, to translate their thoughts into, into forms and so on. So that's actually... And, and like that's necessary because understanding an engineer requires a skill that only people that understand how engineers think can have. Mm -hmm. 
Now, yeah. your relationship with him seems to have outlasted most marriages. You know, 2022 will be 25 mm -hmm. years of that's work, right. and that's that's a long time. Um, and like you said, that you feel fortunate. But I think you'll agree that the success of having this sort of technical slash artistic relationship seems to be crucial in longevity. What is yes. your secret? What have you guys done correctly to, to make it so that you get along? I think it's the, it's the motivation uh, in the first place. Uh, if you are cu curious, you know, and if you want to somehow learn something, uh, you know, with what you're doing, if it's an experiment, as I said before, if you want to get answers from it, if you do that for, for, for as a reason for it, uh, it's a whole different story than when you're kind of like interested in other, in other aspects of it. So, so don't forget, if you don't forget that, and if, if you follow that, if you, if you, if you stay curious, as I say, but with every step, if you want to create a new thing, if you don't, if you are not happy with when you created something, you want to do it differently and better and another, in another way, so you can maybe keep that, that place as to be a, an avant-garde um, brand, as an avant-garde uh, project. When you started to get popular in the mm. early 2000s, the sort of term independent watch brand mm. was labeled to you and a small handful of other companies like MBNF, and there have since been many, and it meant something. And the term seems to have changed, adjusted, shifted. Mm. What do you think is a better term you know, what were people trying to say? Because now it's difficult to define. But what do you think independent watch brand meant at the time? And what's the way of adapting the term now to mean what it should have meant back then? I mean, as, as I said before, I call it uh, contemporary watchmaking. Or okay. I can also call it avant-garde watchmaking. In our case, I, I think that's, that's actually the term I'd like to see. Um, meaning that, you, that, that it, it stays an experiment. And it's, it's, uh, that's the reason for it. You know, like you, 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 you want to find out what is the, you can say simply, what is the watch today? What can we do with it? And, uh, or let's say, well, help a consumer, you know, this term is thrown around like, oh, it's cool to be independent watches. But mm. when a consumer looks at brands, you know, there's nobody policing marketing. People can say whatever they want. They can say yeah. that we make the best sure. watch. We make the most beautiful watch. You can say we're an Art Deco watch. It's got nothing to do with Art Deco. But if we feel like we want to say it, well, we're going to say it. And so pretty much mm -hmm. anyone can be an independent brand. <laughs> you know, it's like the word natural. You know, oh, we make natural watches. We make independent yeah. watches. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Independence. Independence. What, what does that word what does the word independence mean? That means that you are not nothing. dependent on, 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 on things. And of course... Uh, that's Everyone not is. the case. You're always depending on, on, on things. But you can say that if you are, if the, the, there's like a saying that too many cooks, they destroy the, the, the product, let's say, right? Too many cooks in the kitchen? Yes, there's not good for the, for the, for the food. So, so you have to have, um, you have to have, a, if, or I'll put it the other way, if you're your own boss, that's also helpful. If, if it's your, yeah, your I mean, look, your shareholders. Definitely not independent. I think what I see is run by the creative person. If it's yes. run by the person who wants mm. it to have some type of creative thing, if it's mm. run by a financial person or a consultant or a, a, a committee, just that's not an independent brand. It's an important distinction, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And the thing is that if it's uh, about, uh, if, if it's a money uh, thing, if, if you have a, a creative person, thinking in this sense, then it can also be an art form. It can also be the art form uh, of, of, uh, of 
the, the, the commercial art. <laughs> you know, that's, that can also be, uh, you know, done good and, and less good. And it's also important for a business that you have a certain amount of, of uh, art, art history in this, in this field, let's say. Um, are but are you interested but in I, the business I, side of it? I'm interested actually in, in talking with, uh, let's say, we have our collectors. And I really enjoy that, meeting these people and talking with them when we have our collectors meetings or when we have our trips, I miss uh, dearly. Um, so it's, it's interesting actually to talk to people about time because you normally have people in, that are in their lives uh, doing something uh, with, uh, where they, with, uh, with a lot of responsibilities, on, like let's say brain surgeons or I don't know, some, some interesting people that I got to know in, in, um, in, in, in time. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting aspect. So it's, uh, you, you, you want to tell people why we are doing what we are doing, if they show the interest in, in, in our watches, in, what, in, our, in, in our project. And so that's, that's definitely a super fascinating uh, aspect of it. I'm not, uh, in this sense, a salesperson that I, that I somehow juggle the numbers. That's not really my strength. But I definitely like to make people interested in what you're doing as an artist. That's for sure. Do you, do you ever have the desire to be able to have your design be more accessible? Because, you know, look, what it takes to make a luxury watch, it's so much time. Materials are so expensive. Everything's so expensive. Mm -hmm. These have to be luxury products. There's no way around that. But do you ever feel that it would be even more interesting, more special, more gratifying if the things you made were a little bit more accessible because the people that you're you're meeting with to talk about your watches, yes, of course they're going to be brain surgeons. Who else can afford uh, these things? I mean, you have extremely uh, popular, famous, powerful people that wear your products. It's, it must right. be very gratifying. But at the same time, you know, you have to reach a certain bar of wealth to get it. Do you ever sort of want more people to enjoy what you're able to make? It has absolutely to do with uh, with our own history and how, how things started. If you have a lot of uh, capital, financial uh, security at the, at the beginning, you maybe can think about this. You can say, okay, uh, the watch that I want or the product that I want to create um, is a cheap or a cheaper product for, for the masses, let's say, or for everybody. Um, you need to set up a whole factory, you know, uh, yeah. you know and that, that that's not that was not our our possibility. We had to start, uh, you know, from from the the, the to say the workmanship, the, the how do you say the the, the the craftsmanship, the you know making the the, the, the object by hand. Style. Yeah, that's uh, the only way of doing the low numbers. It's exactly. So when when you start with three watches, you know, the, the, then you have to try to sell them, uh, you know, for a good price, you know, and they also need that because you need to finance your work. It's a bit like with yeah. art, you know, where you have a, you, you, you create maybe one painting, you paint on it, you know, for a month or so, but then the painting has to, has to bring that, that money back. So otherwise you can't Th That's do it. why like so, the Vatican would commission all this art because it was so expensive. Exactly. So, so, we, so, so today it's the patrons of the arts that keep, you know, these mm -hmm. important, Look, watchmaking, it's, it's a, really an art. Of course, That's there's technical elements, but it's really and an because, art. Because if you take it serious, you know, you, 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 you uh, have to pay attention to certain things and that results in, in, in that. But you can, of course, when you, when you then think about it conceptually, it, it is, of course, interesting to say, 
okay, can we shift this? Can we change this? And, and one could create a, um, a, 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 like another a different kind of product that that uh, has uh, that functions differently. But it's not it's not so easy. If you think about Calvin Klein underpants, you know. Okay. <laughs> Calvin Klein underpants. Thank you. That, that was a big business for Calvin Klein, right? Calvin Klein underpants. I, he made now that I think it. about it, I imagine it was. Yes. But, uh, of course, it, it's, it's supposed to be haute couture. It's supposed to be, um, you know, expensive fashion. And that became a problem for Calvin Klein, you know, the, the, you know, the cheap mm -hmm. underpants. So these are two different things, you know. And, and when you have... Uh, uh, you know your situation, your 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 equilibrium, as I as we call it, with Uber, uh, where you, where you see, okay, we create this kind of watches, you know, with, with this many people that we that we that we are and that grew organically, and so the watches they are they 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 are that price, and that's actually how we can do it. You know, we did this this 150 watches a year um, for the last couple of like maybe 10 years already now. So, so, so if you if you change something there, if you if you turn the screws, you know, and 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 uh, start to uh, to interfere um, or change this equilibrium, then it has effects. You all of a sudden make a different kind of watch, and so you have to really think about that. You know, do you want this? Is is that is that uh, interesting or? Do you want to explore this, or is that your new project or not? You know, and so, so of course, it's interesting to think about all these questions. But uh, um, one can also how, how do you decide what hmm. what to spend your 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 time on? You, like you said, you're influenced by a bazillion things. You can go in a million hmm. directions. Art is hmm. infinite, hmm. but ultimately, the artists who succeed are the ones who decide. So, how do you make the decisions where to spend you know the next several months or years of your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's this dispute uh, between Felix and I, and then we have our our uh, you know collaborators. We have our our engineers. We have our uh, you know the Ulrich team, um, and we we somehow uh, figure it out. You know what is the, what is the next project? What are the next projects? And we also do stuff that then in the end um, uh, is not followed. So it's like a laboratory, you know, where we where we figure out, uh, you know, in a in a in a strange kind of process. So it's basically it is like the Vatican, and you go in there and you deliberate, and there's rituals, and then a decision is made, and there's cheering. Well, you know, happily, if there's uh, you know cheering, there's cheering. That's a good thing. You know? That's what we. That's what. But we hope, of course, and you can never take that for granted because you, you do, we don't do um, we don't have algorithms studying the, the you know the internet to find out what people need. We do that uh, out of our own uh, you know feelings and, and thoughts, you know, and, and uh, of our our uh, somehow project thinking about time and, and the machine and things. So so yeah, it's like our work way. You know, that's, that's our story. Last question, because uh, we're actually out of time, but this has to do with the limitations of mechanical technology. As a mm -hmm. visual designer, you no doubt imagine things that are quite tricky to accomplish from a mechanical perspective and make engineers mm -hmm. want to tear, tear their limbs off. That's um, right. <laughs> with the advent of... of smartwatches and more digital screens, the horizons have expanded. And I actually don't remember what year it was, but 
you may remember I did an April Fool's about an Orwork smartwatch. All right. Yeah, absolutely. That was cool. I yeah, and people well. actually tried to buy it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I myself wanted to buy it. <laughs> right? No, and, and now it, it seems that you might actually be within the realm of plausibility where you could be designing digital interfaces that indicate time. Yes. Is this something which is exciting to you, maybe? Totally. I mean, we, we also with, with different projects that we already did, let's say the atomic clock, um, we, right. of course, uh, uh, try to somehow bring in new uh, technology or get closer to, let's say, the, the last and best possibilities of measuring time. So you have that on, on, on that somehow temptation on different sides. Or it's not, not just a temptation, it's also a fact that there is like uh, the smartwatch, there is like, you know, different ways of doing things. But when you think about the robot, it's a, it's a good analogy, I think. You have the robot that is a mechanical um, object next to being, um, of course, a computer. Yes. Because it, it somehow deals with us human beings. It tries to somehow understand us. The, the hardware. We, <laughs> we go back in time somehow. We are an evolutionary um, product. And we, we still have parts um, in our brain that go back to the, to the dinosaurs and, and even further. And nowadays with the viruses, you know, we see, you know, uh, maybe look back in time to, a, to an early stage of, of, of life or not life, half life, so to say. So, so the world is full of, uh, of, of, of uh, uh, realities that are, um, that are from different times or that somehow remind us of, of different times. So uh, I think, you know, the, 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 the digital um, solutions, they are super, they are super interesting. And, and then we, we definitely try to, to, to include these, these things. But we are still at the same time, we, are, um, we have uh, one foot, you know, in the past, uh, trying to reach the, the future, you know. It's it's hard though, right? Because if you start if you start stepping in the in the realm of digital design and digital interfaces, it it asks a lot of serious fundamental questions about the other side. And what you have on the other side is mm -hmm. a proven good thing; people like it. So I can understand that there's a hesitancy, but there must also be, you know, a curiosity and this sort of opportunity that that could exist, creatively speaking. Well, when there's of course uh, when you when you when when you're compared. Or let's say you create something, and you have on the other hand you have a, a company like Apple, you know, creating products. That's a, that, that's that's a whole different story. We are a small team, and we are we are uh, in in a, in a different situation than uh, than uh, than Apple. But then on the other hand, Apple has to uh, create um, mass products. You know, I'll tell you this; it'll help reassure you. Your particular philosophy to design and creating things about studying the whole topic and being an academic is by by definition a luxury. And, and it, re, it results in the best designs for sure. But most of the world doesn't have that luxury. Most of, the, most of the thing, they don't have the time, no pun intended. They have to design something in five weeks. You got to have something in five weeks. And this process takes time. And so your small team, even though it seems to be puny in the scheme of things, the approach you take, very few people can afford the time. So you will always have an edge, even on big, big companies, simply because you can spend more time on it. 
Yeah, that's so that's our, our luxury that we that we can do this yes. projects, these tests, these experiments, and uh, one can follow this, uh, see what what comes out of it, and one can participate, one can be part of it. It's wonderful. Martin, this has been so exciting speaking to you. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having Felix as well on the show and finally catching up soon because like you, I want to travel again. We will not yeah. be expecting any uh, Orwork-designed underwear in the future, so thank you for you know clearing the Absolutely. record on that. And uh, <laughs> please please check out um, everything at the Orwork.com website. Martin, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Ariel, for that uh, cool talk. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, please email the show at superlative at blog2watch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit blog2watch.com. <laughs>